Oh. Amen. Thank you, Miss Heidi. Appreciate the much. Appropriate song, a patch song, Ron Hamilton song there, and patch night. How can I fear? It's one of the first ones I memorized as a child, and boy, what great comfort there is in those statements. And uh, I like that one, the uh, end of that verse, he ever walks with me. It's a good reminder of his comfort and presence. First Corinthians chapter 14, if you join me there, First Corinthians chapter 14, children, you did a fantastic job. Leaders, thank you so much for the work, not only tonight, but for the many nights on Wednesday nights and preparing them, and so you all did a fantastic job. Uh, we're having to postpone our baptism. A couple of the candidates aren't present, and so we'll uh, postpone that. That's good news for the children, because that means we can hand out candy tonight, and so we'll be up here at the close of the service, and uh, tonight's kind of a, a bring it all together and uh, just make careful application. Not a whole lot to the message tonight in the sense of uh, I trust length. Uh, because of the baptism and Patch and Pee, I tried to keep it concise, but I trust to give you, uh, okay, so where do we go from here? As we've studied music, as we've looked at all the intricate parts and the past and the, so forth, where do we go from here? How do we now take this to the next step in our lives? And so that's really where we're at. And just a, a quick, we will do a very minor review tonight because um, uh, obviously um, we've covered this for a long time, so I don't want to do it. We talked about the past of music, we talked about the power of music, now it sets the mood, sends a message, and so forth. It's, it's moral or immoral in that sense. We all talk, also talk about the purpose of music. God intended it for his pleasure to bring him glory and such as he in, uh, created you and I for. It's a tool for worship, renewal, for uh, spiritual strength. And then obviously we also have now moved on to the principles. This is where we were last time, okay? So uh, we came to this area. We talked about the principles of music. The first principle is that there are three main ingredients fulfilling their respective roles. Each one has a role to play and and uh, necessary, important, God created it, it's there. And as we said, you can throw a couple more ingredients, form, and some other things there in music. But we're focusing on these three at the moment. We talked about, first of all, obviously, melody. And uh, as we talked about melody, we said this is what you refer to as the recognizable song. We looked at even some references to the Old Testament. We also saw in the uh, context of Ephesians 5, it's speaking, obviously, of um, uh, the, part, this is the part of the music intended to minister to the Spirit. Okay, ministering to the Spirit, spiritual songs and such, and his uh, making melody, it's to the Spirit and the spiritual aspect of it. And so, crucial aspect about that truth. And so, it reasons that the melody is the main part of the music, right? And uh, we, we had the demonstrations of what the melody is, the simple note, uh, and uh, of the, just bringing that melody out, the basic tune of it, and anybody can certainly create that and such, okay? Then we added and said, all right, the second part of that, uh, of music, and is the harmony, uh, this is the part of the music that serves as the supporting role in helping to produce a whole and fuller sound. Very important. It's that, it comes from that term joint. And uh, we looked at Ephesians 4.16 that speaks of that and so forth. Whereas melody was the uh, horizontal arrangement of notes, um, the harmony is the vertical arrangement of notes. And so we saw that. We saw that demonstrated and how it adds to that fuller song and so forth. We also came to understand it's not designed to be prominent, right? It's not the part that's supposed to stick out and uh, not to be in the forefront, and yet it's that important ingredient for achieving a full sound with a piece of music. We also said it helps, as we talk about music, helps to set a mood. Harmony plays a huge part in that. We saw that with the minor key and so forth like that, and uh, it helps to affect emotions, feelings, all those things. It helps create that, and so in that, we saw that it appears to the soul, as you saw there. It appeals to the soul, okay? Then we moved on, and um, uh, we said the last installment or the last part is rhythm. The rhythm is what drives the music. It is the, it's the, the, the driving force behind it and common 
sense tells us that that music, uh, that the, this is the part of music that appeals to the body. Appeals to the body. And we talked about how that word rhythm comes from uh, the Greek word rio, meaning pulse or to flow. We all know that without a pulse, our body is dead. And likewise, it is true of music, as we pointed out. And uh, as long as your pulse is under control and everything's great, it's not too fast, not too slow, it's perfect, you're, you have a healthy body. Same is true with music and with rhythm and things as that. Okay, and so it, it plays a small part, but important role in music. God designed it as such. And so then we talked about how much rhythm and so forth. We looked at all that, and we always want to be careful. If the rhythm appeals to the body, we don't want to fulfill Romans thirteen fourteen saying making provision for the flesh. We don't want to do that, and so we want to be careful in that. And yet, here's where we finished last time, and I think this is so important. Don't forget this, all right? Uh, most people in the world operate according to their flesh, their fleshly desires. Their base lusts. Their, uh, they operate carnally, if we might describe it as such. Okay, if that is the case, then uh, musicians, and they certainly appeal, have picked up their music, the rhythm and such, can appeal to that part of man. Uh, if most people are guided and dictated, so the music industry and performers have learned that that's the case, we're going to make the, our music appealing to that part of man that governs them. So we're going to make music that appeals to the flesh first and foremost, not necessarily the soul and the spirit. We want it to appeal to the flesh, the body. We want it to uh, really hit their flesh and control them. So we made this statement and how we ended last time. It really is no surprise. The most secular music today is heavy on rhythm that appeals to the flesh. It contains manipulation of harmony to push certain feelings and emotions, and it is weak on melody. <laughs> it's weak on melody. Uh, they often hide it behind the harmony and the rhythm. It's hardly there. There's not much to it, and, and trying to find that line is often difficult in modern music, okay? So, those truths, they, they point to a clear need for us, number one, to say, okay, there's ingredients. We've got to look at all those ingredients, make sure they're in the right, uh, proper balance and order. So, you see that, letter B. Here's our, our next statement, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, orderliness and a proper balance. That's necessary in music. If I'm going to listen to music, if it's going to be the right kind of music, there needs to be an orderliness. There needs to be a proper balance to it, and this is the evaluation aspect of it for you and I, saying, all right, does it meet what God has designed, the order that God has design. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look at verse 40 if you will. You probably know the verse right away. Let all things be done decently and in, what's the next word? Order, okay? Let all things be done decently and in order. In context of the local church, all the gifts and everything else is what he's talking about here. He's talking to the church of Corinth. And listen, God has designed orderliness, okay? What's the opposite of orderliness and order? I would use the term chaos, okay? What is chaos? That's called kindergartners left in a room to themselves, that's chaos, all right? all right? That's the opposite of orderliness. Just throw it together and do it. No, uh, God says, let all things be done decently in order. He was talking about the gifts in the church. All of them have their proper role, their proper place, and so forth. And in everything, every aspect of that, that the church needs orderliness. It needs to be done decently and in order. Okay, uh, I, for instance, there, there are things that we do. We, we wholly believe the Bible teaches that the preaching of the Word of God ought to be primary. The exhortation that comes from that, the teaching and the preaching of the Word. So what we do here at FBC centers on the Word of God. But do you realize it could be real easy to center it on music? to center it on activities. It'd be easy to get that out of order. And may I just say that I think there's many churches today that get that out of order. 
It's, an, it's imbalance. It's not what God designed. It's not decently and in order because God says, listen, I, this is the intent of the gathering together, the assembly. This is the purpose of church, to teach God's word, to preach the gospel, and to help people to be encouraged and challenged and grow into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. And God's word is the most powerful tool to do so. Now, all those things serve a good purpose, activities and music and so forth, but there must be a proper balance in order to the things that God has given us. It's not just in music either. And as we've studied it, we've seen that there's some order here in the composing of music, making sure the melody is primary, prominent, the harmony comes along, and uh, it's setting the, uh, helping with the attitude and feelings, but it is subject to the, the melody, and the rhythm is there. It's driving it, but often it's hardly noticeable. Uh, yet it drives it. It's not certainly hard, uh, not to be prominent, okay? We understand that. Well, the reality is this, and this statement on your, I um, can't remember if it's on your outline. I believe it is. It ought not to surprise us that all aspects of of our lives have a God-given orderliness to them, okay? Uh, have a God-given orderliness to them. Everything about our lives, God has put things in order. I love creation because we can study creation. You know what we find? Not chaos. We find order. We find order, created order. Uh, we can look at you and I and how we're created. There is in meticulous, unbelievable order found in how we were created and who we are, how God has designed us. Even our bodies must maintain um, a proper orderliness uh, and balance to stay healthy and to do what they are intended to do, and I think that's crucial. See, often when the music gets out of order, it no longer fulfills the purpose of God, what is, or the purpose of music, excuse me, and what is that purpose? It is to glorify God, to bring him glory. So get it out of order. It's no longer fulfilling that. If you and I get out of order in our bodies, for instance, this sounds silly, but what if your foot decided to be a hand? Now, vice versa, what if your hand decided to be a foot? Okay? Better yet, what if we decided the stu- your stomach decided it wanted to be the brain? Okay, a lot of us would be in trouble if we thought with our stomach, amen? That's out of order. That's not what God intended. That's not how God designed it. God did not design you to think with your stomach. Teenage guy, I'm sorry. Yeah, you did not intend that. That's your, your stomach is not supposed to be the brain, the thing that you think with and operate, make decisions by. No, that's the brain. And praise the Lord, God has given us a brain. But it has a designed role. God created it. You get that out of order, and all of a sudden we got problems. If your body does not operate according to the order that God has instilled it, wow, now we got issues. Now let's make it a spiritual application. God has put an order for how you and I ought to order our steps, how we ought to order our lives. When it comes to our personal attempts to live godly, there has to be a proper order that God has set up, a balance to what we do. What do we know that to be? Well, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 makes it clear, what are we to seek first? the kingdom of God, okay? Spiritual things, heavenly vision, as we talked about it this morning. Also, heavenly value, we're supposed to seek those things, okay? That ought to come first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things, all the secondary things will be added unto you. Now, don't take thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't, yeah, those things. God's going to provide and take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. There is a proper order. Seek first, then the intellectual, the mind comes second, and then we have the physical, okay? And that provision for the flesh, if we could put it that way, taking care of our flesh. Now, here, what, what happens, what happens when a person emphasizes the flesh over everything else. What did Paul call it in Corinthians? They are a carnal person. 
They are a carnal person. Carnality, we know that certainly that term. They are, they are serving the flesh. They are appeasing the flesh. It is ruling and reigning, sitting upon the throne of their life. They are carnal. They are appeasing. And guess what? That's out of order. Okay? God makes it very clear. What happened in the church of Corinth? Paul basically says, hey, church, you got it all wrong. You got things out of order. You're serving the flesh. You're living by your flesh. These things are happening here. These things are happening here. We've got to get this in order. And see, my friend, the problem is in every aspect of life, God has something, an order, a balance that must be maintained. Let all things be done decently and in order. And that includes our music. It ought to follow the guideline, the guidelines of the scriptures that God has given us, that He has laid out. Paul knew it well, and uh, the, how to keep this proper balance, right? And uh, he knows the, the the flesh wants the preeminence. He said it often to us in these passages, right? First Corinthians nine twenty seven. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He understood we got to keep control of the body, the flesh, the carnal part of us, uh, that old nature. We need to keep it under our control. Romans 7, 15 and 18, that talks about the things I should do, I don't do, vice versa and such. And I don't want that. So we ought to keep an order. Now, how do we keep order and balance to our lives and particularly in this area of music? Well, letter C, and I'm sorry, I think this is wrong in your outline. I, says, I think it says letter A. Okay, it's actually supposed to be letter C. So just cross that out and act like I didn't make a mistake, okay? And uh, so it's supposed to be letter C. What is that? Discernment needed. Discernment needed. You need discernment, okay? Discernment. Now, this is difficult because sometimes we deceive ourselves into thinking we have good discernment when that discernment, don't miss it, is not rooted and founded upon God's Word and the truth of God's Word. It's founded upon feelings, emotions, and everything else. I like how one author said it, and, and uh, in one of the messages, I'll show you, I have a stack of books that I've studied for years that have gone into this messages or this series of messages, and I'll share those with you. Uh, they certainly encompass much more than we could do from the pulpit here, and I, I would recommend each of them. Uh, certainly not each are perfect, but they do a great job addressing the content and the subject of music. So I'll share those with you, and uh, down the road we'll, we'll make those even the, the names available to you. But one comment and one statement of an author was this, and I think it's a good one. It says, many people believe they are experts in musical discernment, and therefore they often make uninformed choices based upon taste, feelings, and emotions. This goes back to how we started our series. Remember, we said that it's got to be biblical before it's personal. It's got to be based upon the facts, the, the instructions of Scripture. And so too often we become experts and our discernment is not based upon the truth of God's Word. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, we are challenged to do what? Eat the, the Word of God. He describes it there as the meat of the Word of God. You and I are supposed to grow in such a way that we can digest the very meat of the Word of God, the more difficult and challenging principles to put out in our life to help us live it. As we do so, he says, listen, once you learn to eat the meat, then you'll be ready to discern both good and evil. Both good and evil. You'll have the ability as you grow, and I, I, you know, sometimes you, you look at your children, and maybe they're small, string bang, you say, hey, you need to eat some meat. Why? Because you need to grow up. You need to add some meat on your bones, and you need to, you need to grow up and mature. Hey, the, the idea is here spiritually, Hebrews chapter 5, Paul's saying the same thing. You need to eat the meat of God's Word so that in turn, you and I can exercise discernment between both good and evil evil. You ought not to make any uh, decisions in your life, whether that be music, whether that be entertainment, or any other aspect of your life, without making sure you're chewing on the meat of God's Word. 
that, that is informing you and, and informing your mind and your heart. You're operating on the principles of God's Word, okay? So we have a twofold, and there is so much to be said here. It's hard to boil it all down, so I've tried to. We have a twofold responsibility of discernment in the area of music, okay? You say, all right, how do we discern? What, what is my responsibility? Every believer, dads, head of your home, uh, we, as leaders of the church, we have to exercise discernment concerning music. So what are those two areas, all right? Number one, uh, the first area we could describe as this. Number one, we need to guide our ears and our eye gates. Put up protection. Guard them, filtering everything which passes through the senses into our body, spirit, and soul, and rejecting that which is not pleasing to God and uplifting to my spirit. Yeah, it's putting up the guard. Not getting lazy and lethargic and protecting what comes in your ear gate and your eye gate, and even in the area, especially in the area of music. Okay? Those of us who are responsible for others, you're the head of the home, you're uh, head of a church, whatever the uh, reality is, when you have that kind of responsibility, we must exercise biblical discernment and do it so seriously. And especially in this choice in the area of music we listen to. You say, okay, so if I'm supposed to filter it, if I'm supposed to uh, filter the, what goes in my ear gate and my eye gate, if I'm supposed to show discernment to make sure that only thing that comes in is pleasing unto God, what are those filters? Well, we'll share a couple with you, and there can certainly be a ton more that we could add, but I would just draw your attention to this. We don't want information overload. Number one, or letter A, the music you listen to should reflect the testimony of a changed life. This isn't on your outline, so don't look for the blank. Okay. So it should reflect what? The testimony of a changed life. Every aspect about you ought to tell people what? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I like how the psalmist described it for you and I. He said this and uh, said this. He said this. There we go. In Psalm 42 and 3, okay? He brought me off also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and my feet upon a rock, set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Man, aren't you thankful tonight you're a new creature in Christ? He's done that for us, and every aspect of who we are ought to reflect that. Ought to reflect that. So if it doesn't encourage that, if it doesn't support that, if it doesn't proclaim that, I don't want it in my ear gate, and I don't want it in my eye gate. I don't want to dwell on what I used to be. I want to consider who I am now in Christ and all the benefits that is. Uh, the music tonight has sung about that. It's presented those truths. This is what we have in Christ. This is who he is. This is what we have in Christ. Here's what we get to enjoy because of it. It ought to reflect the reality in our testimony, reflecting that testimony, that we are a changed person in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that includes music, that includes entertainment, that includes speech, it includes all aspects of us. Those things ought to be reflective of this truth, okay? Number two, and again, these are just very broad filters, okay? Another filter would be this, and my clicker must have died. I'll try the Pastor Aaron's. All right, here we go. Okay, let it be. Reject the music that is damaging and destructive to the cause of Christ. In your own sphere of influence and in your world, your life, Reject it. Reject the, those that reject Christ. Reject those things that are destructive to the cause of Christ in your life. In other words, what God is trying to accomplish in your life, what God is trying to accomplish through you. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. If it's not helping that, reject it. Don't allow it in there. 
And we've talked often, and, and uh, I, I may do, we may come back and hit on the series a little bit, talk a little bit about uh, country music and southern gospel and everything else, and we may hit on that. And I told you before, the reality is, and just uh, even country music of 30, 40 years ago, man, it was so negative and so f- dwelling upon what you don't have and thing and, and the bottle and everything else and uh, just all kinds of negativity and anti-God things. We got to reject that. Those things are not good for you and I to dwell upon. We'll look at a verse, and here in a little while, Philippians 4, 8, you know, finally, brethren, it's something true, honor, judge, pure, think on these things. Make sure these are your meditation things. And so we've got to reject anything that goes against that. Ephesians 5.11, we talked about this verse before we read it uh, early on in our study. Have no fellowship um, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. A lot of times I'll hear someone say something to this effect. Well, isn't it possible for God to use good lyrics or words in the life of a Christian regardless of the style of music? Okay, That's always a question. Uh, being a youth pastor, you get that. That's going to be a, a common question. Well, can't, can't, can't God use any style of music as the, a, as the vehicle to, to present good words? Okay, and uh, I, I think, <laughs> we'll talk about this, long. but, you know, I, I think of the many different ways Amazing Grace has been sa- sang. You know, there is a terrible rocker of, not my generation, the generation before me, uh, who introduced all kinds of stuff into the music genre, and he sang Amazing Grace. Okay, most of you know who that is, right? He sang Amazing Grace, and he did not do it in a <laughs> reverently way. The, he said, well, those are good words, aren't they? Now, listen to me. Let, let's use some biblical common sense. Okay? Can God use, and has God used in the past, evil, wicked people? Has he used the hate of people? Has he used the, the persecution of people? Has he uh, used the cruelty, the wickedness of people to bring about his will and his glory as he chooses? Yes, he's used Pharaoh, he's used others like it. He used nations who were brutal and cruel to punish Israel. But my friend, in all of that, he never, 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 nowhere condones the sin. The actions of Pharaoh, the actions of those nations, and so forth and so on. You know, the reality is this. The, the, the fact is this. We, we don't have to endure the sin. We don't have to endure the wickedness. We don't have to uh, say, well, let, let's pair this with this, and then that must make it okay. It doesn't make it okay. okay that, that, that no, no, there's much better vehicles that God has designed to convey the truths of those words and those lyrics. So don't try to legitimize styles of music that do not follow God's order by saying, well, at least the words are good. My friend, isn't our God good enough to give us both good lyrics and good music? Put them together. So don't try to justify it in that sense. I love this quote about music standards and such. What are we striving for? We're striving for a holiness that reflects the holiness of God, even in our music choices. And I love the statement here, uh, a quote again. It says this, Raising a standard of holiness in music is not a demonstration of legalism. It is an act of true love for both God and fellow believers in the body of Christ. I think it's a great statement. I think it's so true. When you and I say, I'm going to maintain a good level, a high level of holiness, uh, keeping the orderliness in the, uh, of what God would want, um, we are not, it's not legalism. No, it's demonstrating a great, great true love for God and for his people. 
It's reflecting his holiness and attempting to do so. Number one was guard, right? Set up the uh, guard, your ear gate, your eye gates, filter things, make sure that they are uplifting to the spirit and pleasing to God. Number two, in, in this desire for discernment, we need to take the offensive, okay? Go on offense. How do we go on offense? We encourage, we enjoy, we promote the ministering and production of music that follows biblical principles and fulfills God's intended purpose for it. God's intended purpose for it, okay? Literally, the bad must re- be replaced with the good. The replacement theory, if we could put it this way. You know, take up a, an instrument to use and to, 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 to uh, present good music. Join the choir. You buy and listen to good godly music, CDs, or buy the individual songs, you know, in your music app. Whatever the case may be, stop listening to the wrong kind of music, yet that is not enough. Replace it with the good kind of music. Saturate your minds and your hearts with the right kind of music, uh, so that you and I are exposed, exposed to the right kind of music. What do we say at the beginning? There's music all around us, and often it's not the good kind of music. So we've got to be exposed and enjoying and promoting the right kind of music to kind of push that out of the way and to get rid of that. So crucial, so important. I like. I think this is a good analogy, and if it isn't, then you come up with a better one. Okay? Um, have you have you ever been in a kitchen? Okay, where something was burnt. You ever walk in your house like, oh, what is that? Who left the oven on? Who burnt something? What spilled in the oven or on top of the, the stove or whatever the case may be? And, and uh, that happened at our house this week. Something got spilled in the oven, and we turned it on to cook a pizza, and boy, just smart, smoke started going, it smelled terrible, okay? So uh, I don't know if, if that's ever happened to you, but that's happened to us. And you walk in like, oh, and the thing, and the worst thing to go off is the smoke detector. Isn't that the most annoying thing? Don't you want to take out a, okay, just kidding. Uh, but, I mean, it's just annoying when that goes off. You burn something and such, you know. That's terrible. That's smell. But here's what happens, okay? You ever been in that kind of situation and, and one of two things happens. You, you, you're in there, it smells, and then uh, you don't turn on the fan maybe and, and so forth. And, and uh, time passes and you don't notice it as much, okay? You don't notice it as much. Somebody else walks into the house and they're like, oh, man, oh what is that? You're like, is this still smell? Or, I've done this before, uh, you're in the house where it's smoke and everything else, and then uh, the stench is there, you walk outside, you maybe spend a few minutes outside, and, and you've forgotten about the smell, and you walk back in, you're like, oh my goodness, it's still there? What happened? Simple term, you became desensitized to the smell. Now here's the problem. The same principle is true of, the, uh, true of music. Now, there are probably many of us that have worked in a job situation where the wrong kind of music was blaring through a radio, uh, uh, through a speaker in the place that we work. And the reality is we've probably gotten some desensitization to that kind of music. Some of us have grown up uh, listening to the wrong kind of music and we became desensitized to the reality of, wait a minute, this music isn't that good. You need to step back, (laughs) get some fresh air. And look again at your music. You need to step back and clear your senses. You need to step outside and come into God's word and say, okay, God, I I need to look at this again. Everything in my life, the music that I listen to, and make sure that it is pleasing in your sight. Because often, when you're around something so so much, and uh, you've become accustomed, desensitized to it. Boy, it's so good to step away and come back and look at it afresh with the principles of God's word. 
And then as we identify, well, maybe this isn't the best music for me to listen to. Maybe this isn't a match that my testimony has something that has been changed for God. And maybe this really isn't good for the cause of Christ. Then we say, okay, I'm going to replace that with some really good music, some good godly music. And I, I'm telling you, I said it before, I am so thankful that there are, are people out there, there's uh, organizations, ministries that produce good godly music. I'm thankful for our own church and the music we uh, perform here and minister is a better terminology than perform, but uh, the music. I'm thankful for all of our musicians and Pastor Aaron leading that. And I'm so grateful. Boy, we are so blessed. But we want to keep the good godly music coming, amen? So we need to promote it. We need to encourage it. We need to train the next generations to say, okay, this is good godly music, making ourselves immersed in it. That's why we have to take the initiative to guard against letting uh, the wrong thing into our ear and eye gates while at the same time replacing it with good godly music, okay? So sometimes in conversation, people ask the question, well, what about this? The Bible doesn't really talk about this kind of music. The Bible doesn't, doesn't really address this kind of music. What about this? And, and I always love those questions because you, you know most of the time they have an ulterior motive for asking, right? And uh, they're looking for validation what they listen to. But regardless, okay, so that's a, that's a valid question on its base if it's an honest question. And the reason or the answer to that is that's why we need discernment. We need to go to God's Word and develop discernment. And so uh, here to end the message, I'll just share a couple things with you. I don't have this written down on a sheet. Sometime I will get it to you uh, and on a sheet, these things here. And I think they would be very helpful. Okay? This was taken from a book called The Pursuit of Holiness. And it shares with us or challenges us with some questions to ask when it comes to developing discernment or using showing discernment. Okay? The first question would be this, all right, And uh, in the area of discernment. Is it helpful physically? spiritually and mentally is it exhorting me is it building me up is it lifting my spirit up as we've talked about before and these questions the things we'll share here at the end are really supportive of our entire study okay uh, we first corinthians 6 12 the first part says this all things are lawful unto me but all things are not expedient it's not beneficial it's not you say well i have christian liberty that may be true in the sense and and that may be a misunderstanding of what christian liberty is christian liberty defined biblically is the freedom to live for christ that, that's christian liberty I, we've studied uh first corinthians 6 before and so the reality is that so i need to ask myself does it help me physically spiritually and mentally is the music i listen to the entertainment i put before my eyes are these friendships are these things helping me in this way okay number two uh again we're just mentioning them we're not going to say much does it bring me under its power does it control me Paul said, but I keep under my body and bring the suggestion, lest by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. I don't want to be controlled by anything. I don't want to be under his power. In 1 Corinthians 6, 12b, the second part of the verse, what does he say? But uh, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not be controlled by anything. And uh, does it have a hold of you? Does it have a control of you, whether it be music or something else? Whatever the case may be. And uh, another good principle to use is this of discernment, okay? Is it hurting others? Is it hurting others? Uh, he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to, uh, to offend. I love, I love that, while the world standeth. I'm not going to hurt anyone else. I'm not going to cause an offense in that sense. 
I'm going to hurt others. Great principle to live by and to show discernment about what I live in my, allow in my life and what I do. My actions, my words, and so forth. Number four, uh, children, this is for you. Do my parents approve? Hey, can I tell you right now, listen, children, hey, in 2022, it may not be politically correct. It may not be woke. Yeah, I use that word. But can I tell you, it is still right and biblical to obey your parents. It is. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 is still in the Bible. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, what's the next word, children? Right. This is right. This is the right thing to do. So my friends, young people, teenagers, don't, don't, don't allow things in your life that your parents don't approve of. Obey your parents. It's a great principle of discernment to live by. Honor, respect, obedience. Make sure that they are on board, okay? We mentioned it earlier for sake of time. Uh, we're going to skip over this, but Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, I love all those things that says, hey, make sure these things are present in it, then think on that. That would include your music, okay? And to think on those things. Make sure they are present, okay? Now, it's good for us to come up with some guidelines for the evaluation of music. I'm really excited about this. I, I found this in a book this week. And I'm like, wow, that really sums up or brings uh, kind of to a concluding um, application everything we've studied. And so just really encouraging with that confirms some things we've taught and preached and uh, we've studied here in this. And it comes from a book, Striving for Excellence is the name of it. And like I said, it goes along with our study. Here are some good questions to ask and, and we'll be done with these, right? Okay, question, uh, when we're talking about godly music must be pure. It's dealing with music. Here are the, some questions to ask, okay? To whom does the music give glory? And that's a great question. Is it glorifying the performer or is it glorifying God? Is it glorifying mankind or is it glorifying God? Is it uplifting God? That's a great question to ask. Another question, how does this music reflect biblical doctrines in godly living? Does it encourage it or does it uh, disparage it? Is this music reactionary in uh, any way? That's a great question. Literally, is it designed to challenge accepted norms, traditions, or, or I shouldn't say tradition, things of the Bible? Does it challenge those things, the, the principles, the truths? Does it challenge authority? Uh, does it rebel against those things? Is it encouraging that? Or is my music uh, helping me uh, by reflecting good Christian doctrine and living? Does this music violate my conscience in any way? Now listen, a, your conscience is not a uh, fail-proof part of us. Your conscience can deceive you because you can deceive yourselves. But a conscience that is informed by the Word of God and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit is a fantastic tool. It's a great thing that God has given us. So it has to be educated. It has to be immersed in the Word of God so that it will be a tool to me. And so that's then when we ask, is my conscience okay with this? Is it a violated in any way? We also know that godly music must be pure, but as we've just hit upon tonight, it must also be orderly. So we're going to ask this question, are the musical elements combined in balance? That's the word we use, right? Is the, is the, uh, the melody and the harmony and the rhythm and even the form and other things, or they have the right balance. Letter B, does the melody line have a balance, rising and falling contour that matches the inflections of the words? Does it match well? Uh, does it come together? Okay. What message is conveyed by the harmony, the mood, the atmosphere, the attitudes, the emotions? What is the harmony producing in the listener? Is this the right kind of attitude I should have? Is this the right kind of emotions that it should evoke? Is that pleasing to God, how this music makes me feel? We ought to ask that question. 
Okay, another one. I know I'm going to throw out this fast. Again, I'll try to get it on a half sheet somewhere here in the weeks ahead. Um, letter D, does the, rhythm, does the rhythm of the music dominate the message or is it subtle in its function or we could say role, right? Does it, is it subtle in its role as it ought to be? Is it done decently in order? Uh, does the organization of the music uh, reflect, does it reflect the careful design, uh, communicate a definite beginning and ending? Okay, uh, does it, uh, should be and, communicate a definite beginning and ending, okay? So the way the composer organized it, does it reflect the orderliness of God? Does it reflect the careful design, communicate a uh, definite beginning and ending? I, this is one of my things that I love about classical music. Can I tell you that some of the most orderly, balanced music is classical music? And there's wrong, I mean, there's some that is out there, okay? But some of those composers were so good at following order musically. And boy, they established, and I, I don't know, yeah, I love listening to the symphony, okay? I have favorite composers, and, and those I like to listen to, classical music of a phenomenon. And that doesn't make me an old fuddy-duddy. You know what it makes me? A connoisseur of good music. The orderliness is there. And it also helps to reconfirm, huh, there is to be orderliness to music, okay? And uh, uh, there ought to be an organization that reflects careful design, okay? Uh, is the music balanced in tension and relaxation? Man, that's good. I love that question. He's like, what's the big deal of that? Man, can I tell you there's some genres of music that just put you at unease? Put you at, your body off at odds. In fact, there are great medical studies. We haven't even introduced that. There's some medical studies, some that I've read, that talk about the effect physically on your body of the wrong kinds of music. And uh, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. In fact, I, I would say this, and forgive the example, but the reality, or don't forgive it, but uh, uh, the quickness of the example. You remember uh, David Koresh? Remember down there and how the U.S. government, you know what they did for, what, 15, 16 days on? They blared certain kinds of music. To set the, the, to make the people unsettled, to physically, mentally affect them. And they, they blared it in this place that the people weren't coming out back in the day. And those, if you're not, if you're not old enough to remember, just, just smile, okay? And, uh, but that's what they did. They played the music, they blared it, and, uh, to affect them emotionally, physically, all these things. Man, music can be powerful in that. We want to make sure that our music has the right balance of tension and relaxation, okay? Letter G, you'll see it here, and you're going to say this is the endless list. Yeah, it might be. Letter G, does the musical background overpower the text, okay? I.e., is the background distracting to the message in any way? Can I just tell you, you know, this may be an old person reaction. I'm sick, I'm sick of hearing music in different places where I can't even hear what they're saying. Okay? And man, it seems like modern genres and modern music is so much like that. I'm like, I can't even understand what they're saying. You know, I'm in a store or something like that. What are they saying? You know? And unfortunately, some Christian music has followed in that so called Christian music. They tried to emulate that style. You can't even tell what this is saying. How, how am I supposed to know what the words are saying, what they're communicating? So I think that's crucial. Don't let the musical background overpower the text and the distracting from it. Okay? Uh, H is, is the words or the text. Accurate in statement and implication as evaluated by God's word. Is the text in any way ambiguous? Now this is crucial, okay? I'm, I'm now we're moving from the actual components of the music. We're looking to the words and lyrics, okay? There are some songs, even in our hymn book, that we probably will not sing because I don't like how they're worded. There's some of the pastor Aaron says, no, we're not going to leave that because I, I, some of the wording can mislead and doctrine and things like that. So we even try to read the words in our home, hymn book to ensure that they do just what this says. 
They are supporting, encouraging, uh, uh, making an accurate statement uh, in the the implication evaluated by God's Word. Okay? We don't want it to um, be ambiguous. Letter I. This is so, oh my, I like this one. Letter I says this, okay? If it is sung as a solo, does the performer imply intimacy with the listener by breathing into the microphone or by using sagging and sliding pitches? Now, we could get a whole lot of things about styles of music, how you sing, how you, how you do things, okay? And I have some good uh, things about that we won't go into. But listen to it, okay? It, we all know what a breathy sound is. We were listening to a, a Christian radio station the other day because I just turned it on, was switching through, trying to listen to something, find something here in Foster on the way home, I think it was. I think the boys were with me. And uh, found some good Bible teaching going on. Like, this is great, okay? And uh, we started listening to it. Didn't last but five minutes. I guess we caught the latter end of it. And the Bible preaching goes on, and all of a sudden, uh, the singer comes on and some music. I'm like, uh-oh, this does not look like it's going well. And all of a sudden, I hear, amazing grace, how sweet. The sound. I'm like, I don't know you that well, sir. We are not that intimate. And that sounds funny, doesn't it? But can I tell you, that's exactly what that style says. It conveys an intimacy. And I'm like, I don't like that. That's not good. Especially for the song Amazing Grace. Don't tell me the music doesn't matter. The style, performance, those things matter. You convey something through that. And that breathy sound conveys an intimacy. And my friend, you add that in rock music and other things that talk about things that ought not to be talked about in public in between people who do not have an intimate relationship. And my friends, we are feeding the flesh. We're feeding the flesh. Just in the style of how we sing. So I'm going to guard against that. I'm going to make sure those things and the sagging and the sliding don't distract, okay? Uh, letter J, quickly, is the, is the music a new sound as in rock or entertainment styles or is a new song demonstrating a changed life? And boy, that's good. Man, I, I'm telling you, there's some great studies out there. The, the evolving, the evolution of music in the United States um, in the early 19th century, or excuse me, the early 1900s, moving into 1950, 1960, the, uh, the revolution, the uh, sexual revolution that took place, the rock music that went along with it, and then how rock music got interjected into uh, uh, country music and other areas, other genres, and pop music. There is interesting studies that talk about this new music kind of infiltrating everything. My friend, we ought not to have the new music of the world. We ought to have the new music of a changed Christian. Song that reflects who we are in Christ. Last but not least, godly music needs to be edifying, and there's just a couple statements here, okay? It must be edifying. Um, does, it, does the music refresh and invigorate? It ought to build us up. It ought to refresh us and invigorate us, not take us down. D- does the music inspire the mind, invoke healthy, positive emotions? Good attitudes, good spirit. It ought to do that. And I talk about that How Can I Fear song that Miss Heidi played. Man, that's a powerful song. It really is. And there's been many a times when I've been fearful or there's been something in my life I didn't w- want to face. And, man, those lyrics come back and that song and uh, singing and thinking about it. My, how can I fear when Jesus is near? He always watches over me. 
And what great truth and encouragement. The music goes right along with that and supports it. It's edifying. It builds up. Letter C. Uh, does the music uplift the spirit? Does it draw the listener to God's point of view? And I like that. Does your music support God? Does it draw them to God? Then last but not least, does the music, and that should say end, forgive me, does the music end on a note of praise or focus on God? I love music. Uh, a special that is sung, a choir special, uh, uh, even an instrumental. And many are written, you'll start to see and understand when you evaluate it. Many are written to leave us with that great thought about our God. And to leave us with praise for Him, a focus on Him, who He is, to kind of leave that as the last thing for us to think on, to dwell upon. I would put it this way. Music ought to leave a good taste, not in your mouth, but in your spirit. Your music ought to leave a good taste in your spirit. Spiritually connected to God. You'll join me in standing, and uh, uh, there's a couple more installments we'll get to, maybe one next week, still praying about that. And, uh, but there's one or two things I want to share with you concerning music that kind of ends our main study on it. And I hope it's been encouraging and challenging all at the same time. Appreciate you being here tonight. I mean that so very much. Weeks ahead, I'll try to get out the list of those things and trust there'll be a help and encouragement to you all along the same way.